I will be reading from Psalms 89:14 through 15. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and, kind, love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Thanks, Kyle. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We'll start there here in just a second. But it's, uh, we, my family and, and many of us made it back from teen camp uh, just yesterday afternoon. It's a great week up there with a high school age group. And I appreciated uh, everybody here as in their prayers and praying for a good week and lots of spiritual transformation. I, I sure hope that happened. And there's, there was just a, a lot of great times. If you've never participated in a youth camp up at Yellowstone Bible Camp, it's, uh, there's a lot of spiritual lessons. We break them up into groups and have spiritual discussions. We have times of sports. We have, um, we have a banquet on Thursday night, and there's different themes for the banquet. And this year it was Western. And so I, uh, I've never had a pair of cowboy boots on in my life. I come from the other side of Montana. I've had logging boots on, but not cowboy boots. And so I just uh, figured, how on earth are we going to pull this off? And so Sylvia and I raided Jim and Edie Ward's wardrobe and showed up. And I passed, Jim. I think I passed for, for a cowboy just a, maybe a little bit. And one of the things that, that uh, they, they told me I need to walk different if I'm going to walk like a cowboy and so I just tried to walk as I see Jim walking, and it worked. And, and I passed for a cowboy, Jim. So you're a great example for me in that. It was helpful. Something else that Jim told me that, that's helpful in that, because he gave me a belt buckle that was about this big around. And it had a, a bull on it, so it was a bull rider belt buckle. And he said, if someone asks you if you ride bulls, tell them no. You've got a back problem. You've got a yellow stripe that runs right down the back. And so I got to use that, Jim. Somebody noticed it was a... It was a for a rodeo buckle, and that's, I've never done anything like that. So you can ask Lee if you want to ride bulls, right, Lee? Is that, your, that, that was your thing, right, for a while? Used to be, right? Used to be. All right. Well, we spent some time in uh, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount with the teenagers this last week. And what we wanted them to get, come away with was some, were some great foundations for life. Foundations that they could build their, their life on because when you're a teenager, you have the whole world is in front of you and you've got all these opportunities to make all sorts of decisions. And if you start young making good decisions, then you've got lots of opportunity to, to build a great, great legacy of good fruit and avoid so much of the heartache in this life. But if we start young making really, really poor decisions that don't honor God because we don't have that foundation, what happens is we spend a whole lot of our life making decisions that, that, uh, that pave the way for one heartache after the other after the other for ourselves and for the people around us. So we wanted to spend some time in Matthew 5-7 through 7, teaching them what good foundations look like. And so I'm going to walk through the Sermon on the Mount. This is a very Cliff's Notes version here, and then we're going to camp on the last part of it. But the foundations for life that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount is, starts in chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. This is also called the Beatitudes, where he talks about these are some keys for, abundant, for living an abundant life. If you look at verse 6, for example, here's one of them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a lot of things we can hunger and thirst for in life. And we can pursue those things, whatever they may be, and we're not going to be satisfied. But Jesus tells them, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, or you hunger and thirst for doing what is right, then you're going to be filled. I'm going to fill you up, and you're going to find contentment that you're not going to find anywhere else. In verses 13 through 20, Jesus talks about sharing that abundant life. 
When we have that abundant life, we get to share it with others. He talks about being the salt of the world and light to the people around us. Salt makes enriches flavor, um, and light provides the opportunity for us to be able to see. And he says, that's what you guys are. You are the example to the world, and, and make sure you, you show other people the abundant life of Jesus. It's 21 through 30, and this is what I talked about last Sunday. Watch your thoughts, because what goes into our head eventually comes out our mouth, and it becomes who we are. If we, So we must uh, be very careful with what goes in our minds, because... Or changes who we become. In verses 31 through 37 of chapter 5, Jesus talks about keeping your promises. In that uh, when, when you uh, enter into a covenant of marriage, keep that promise. And, and find ways to, to, to stay uh, married and have an honorable marriage that honors God. Keeping your oaths or keeping promises. That's what God... Uh, that's the abundant life is found is when we make those promises, we're able to keep them and maintain them. There's, there's great blessings that come from that. And this is the title that we gave at Teen Camp. Matthew chapter 5, 38 through 48. Jesus says, this is how you deal with jerks. Okay? People that are difficult, people that, that treat you terribly, how do you treat them? Because it's common in our world just as it was in Jesus' day, it's really easy for us to be kind to the people who are kind to us, right? But the rubber meets the road for us as Christians. When someone is unkind to us, how do we respond to them? And if we respond with unkindness, we respond in kind instead of in kindness, we don't look any different than anybody else. And so Jesus' point here is, is if you want the abundant life, then you've got to learn to be kind to others that are unkind to you. And he walks through how to do that. Starting in chapter 6, Jesus talks about pursuing pure motives in worshiping God. He talks about when we pray, when we fast, and when we give. Do we do those things because we want other people to look at us and say, Oh, wow, look at how spiritual and amazing they are. Or do we do those things because we want to honor God and that's it. And Jesus says in those things, motive is is essential. Motive is important. Why we do good things makes all the difference in the world. Starting in verse 19 through 24, it talks about financial investments for eternity. And James Williams, a minister from Kalispell, shared this discussion with the kids. And the analogy he used I thought was really good because when you read through that section, Jesus says, if you invest in this life here where thieves break in and steal and moth and rust destroy, uh, that's what's, what you're going to get. It's all going to go away. But if you invest in things that are eternal, those things never go away. The analogy used, I really appreciated it, is if, if there was a bank that wasn't insured by the FDIC, that had sketchy business practices, was in the process of going under, and, and everything was just falling apart and crumbling, would you or I take our money and invest in that bank? He'd say, no, that's a terrible investment. Why would we do something like that? And that's fundamentally what Jesus says to the people that are sitting around listening to him here. He says, if you invest in this earth, in the things of this earth, it is a terrible investment. It's not going to get you anywhere. But invest in the things that are going to make a difference for eternity. Put your heart there. Put your finances there. Because that's what really matters. He continues on and says, don't worry. God's got this. People of this world worry about clothes, they worry about food, they worry about all sorts of different things. But you as my people don't need to worry about those things. 
Because God takes care of the grass. He takes care of the birds. They're fine. God is sure going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. It's all good. He's got this. Chapter 7, he starts off by telling people, don't be all judgy on each other. Okay? Sometimes we as people have a tendency that we want to make sure that everybody else is just fine and, and make sure that uh, uh, it, is, it is our mission in life to, to correct and, and, um, and when we have our own stuff that we're not willing to look at. And Jesus says, if you have a log in your own eye, don't try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. In other words, be very self-reflective yourself before you try to, to correct anybody else and be careful in doing so. Now, I'm their God, I'll take care of them, you take care of yourself, is, is the gist of it there. He also goes on to say, if you're confused, you don't know what direction to go, then ask God for directions. He says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And believe me, God loves to give really, really good gifts. So just ask, just ask. Open your heart to him. Open your, your thoughts to him. And just wait for the gifts that God showers down on you. In verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 15 to 23, he talks about the difference between true disciples or false disciples. And what he says is the difference that you see is in the fruit that they produce. If, they, if people that are true disciples produce good spiritual fruit that is true, that cannot be hidden, and people that are, that are not true disciples of God you know, produce different something else. You know, as we see in Scripture, produce conflict, produce heartache, produce all that sort of thing when, when they're involved in the lives of others. And so Jesus says, here are some things that are your foundations for life. Okay, we're going to look at the uh, verses 24 down through 27 here in just a second. But look at some of these pictures. Do you think, I love this picture here. How would you like to be in that lighthouse when that happens? You see, you imagine just the sense of, of standing out there at the top and watching. Here comes this big wave, and oh man, this is going to be exciting. And then all of a sudden it hits, and you feel the whole place rumble. That lighthouse has been there for a while, and why do you think it's able to survive in such a hostile environment? It survives because it was built on a good foundation. Look at this. This is a famous picture here. How'd you like to be that guy? That looks really scary to me. But here's another lighthouse that is built on a solid foundation of rock. And so there's wind, there's waves, there's all sorts of stuff comes against it. And it just continues to stay there. So when we look at the message of Jesus here, he gives us some good foundations for life. Starting in chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. So the question we can ask ourselves, and I think this is a question that most of the people that were sitting there listening to Jesus must have been asking in some way. What should I do with all these teachings that Jesus is giving here? This te these teachings about treat my enemies well, uh, don't, don't be so consumed with things of this world. Um, when I do acts of righteousness, like giving and, and fasting and, and praying, I'm, I need to do those with a heart for God, not because I want to look, hey, look how spiritual I am, look how amazing I am. So how do I, what should I do with all these teachings? How am I supposed to respond to them? 
And Jesus tells the people here, as he was finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you're wise, then you need to hear these words of mine. You need to hear these teachings. You need to practice them. And you create a strong foundation for life. That is, uh, that's what you need to do. At the campfire the last night uh, at teen camp, I guess it was Friday night, I asked the kids, what are some obstacles you may come up against in life? And um, these teenagers are more spiritual than you think. I, they came up with some fantastic examples of, of things that, that can be, um, be storms that come up against us. Think of persecution, just people treating you badly. That's a great storm that comes up. Or maybe your health starts to fail. You have pain all the time. Maybe there's a death of someone that is close by. Maybe there's a job change or a school change. There's a, um, you have kids and all of a sudden realize, oh, wait a minute here. It's not just me anymore. I've got to take care of, of others. All of those things there, there's all sorts of storms that, that come in our life. And I want you to think about just a second, what are some storms that you've had to survive in your own life? Just think about it, just to yourself. What are some storms that you've had to walk through and try to survive in your own life? And I can imagine the people sitting there listening to Jesus as he's teaching this Sermon on the Mount are thinking through these different storms that they've had to walk through in life and how painful it was, how hard it was. And Jesus is telling them, if you're wise, listen to my words, practice them, and you will create a strong foundation for life that will see you through whatever comes your direction. Just like these lighthouses, it doesn't matter if it's wind, it's waves, it's death, it's pain, it's hurt, it's, it's, it's whatever it may be. God will give you a foundation that you can walk through anything in this life. And there had to have been people there that changed them. And it touched their hearts. And they put these teachings into practice. And they became different after that. But Jesus doesn't finish there. Go ahead and look at uh, verse 26. He says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So poor foundations for life. Look at this house. How would you feel if you had, had spent a life savings to put a down payment on a house and move your family into it, and then something like this happens. Oh, man. Or what about this? Yeah, that's not very good. That one actually is built on the beach, and so that's exactly the type of thing that Jesus was talking about. They didn't put any foundational piers or helical piers or anything, and that's, that's what you get. And the house just sunk because of the tide. How many of you built a sandcastle? He enjoyed All of us maybe have... There's, how many of you have never built a sandcastle? I want to see who you are. George has never built a sandcastle in your entire life. George, we need to hang out, okay? We need to build some sandcastles here. It's fun stuff, all right? But I remember when I was a kid, we went out to the Seattle area. I'd never been out to the ocean before. My sister and I built a sandcastle. And all of a sudden, we realized, wait a minute, why is the water tearing the sandcastle apart now? It's because the tides move in and out. 
And poor foundations oftentimes, always, lead in, in destruction that happens in life later on. And I think about for why do we as people tend to build poor foundations in life? Okay, we'll talk about that here in just a second, but think about that. Because what Jesus says, for these people who are asking, what am I supposed to do with the, the teachings of Jesus that he is sharing right here? What am I supposed to hear from this? What am I supposed to, to do? He says, if you're foolish, what you're going to do is you're going to hear my message. And then you're going to not practice any of it. You're going to go your way. You're going to do whatever you want. And that's the result is that you're going to build a poor foundation in life that will create all sorts of hurt and destruction as you go along. I was thinking about why is it that we, as people, you know, in our world, just generally speaking as people, why do we tend to, to build uh, foundations that are weak? Um, and I can't help but think that when I've tried to build something and build it right, it's a whole lot harder than it is just to build something with a weak foundation, right? And so if I'm going to build something on rock, I ha- it takes a lot, isn't it? It takes a lot to be able to make things square, to be able to break through some of the rock, to put that foundation there right. But those of you that have built a, built a sandcastle, so you can't speak to this one, George, right? If you have built a sandcastle, is it easy to do? Yes. It's easy. And I'm not talking about those sandcastles that people build that are elaborate and beautiful and all like that. Okay, I don't know anything about that. I just know when you take a bucket, you turn it upside down and say, wow, that's a sandcastle. Look at how amazing that is. It's easy to do because we can move the foundation around underneath because we can move it and manipulate it to any way we want. And Jesus' point here is that if you choose the easy way, you just go what's comfortable, you, you do whatever, and you're not really deliberate about putting my words into practice, you're going to have this foundation that is not going to stand the test of time. Whenever the waves come, whenever the wind comes, whenever any of that comes, your foundation is going to be rocked to the core because your foundation has not been on the words of Jesus. And I think for the people that are listening to Jesus at this point in time, maybe the issue of, of outright disobedience and disregard for Jesus' message is not as dangerous as just hearing it and thinking, wow, that's a really good idea. I should do something about that. And then walk away and don't change a thing. And Jesus says, "That's you hear my words and you just, you just don't put them into practice. Then you've got a weak foundation that's going to be, um, going to be full, of, full of destruction whenever the tough things come in life. So for us, let's walk through a few things here about what it means to create a strong foundation for life. This is a great quote right here. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Now, great thoughts. Great thought to consider there. Here's the, the first thing. is create, For creating a strong foundation for life, learn to listen. And not only learn to listen, but learn to love to listen to the message of God. There is a, I thought about uh, one of my friends who was in the military years ago. We were joking around. And we were at his house out on, on the base in Great Falls, and he was—he loved to, to do woodworking. And he made a joke, and he was just joking, and he and his wife, they had a good relationship, but, and that's probably why he could make this joke. But he said, I love going out into my garage because my table saw runs at the exact same frequency as my wife's voice. <laughs> and his point was, there's sometimes he just didn't want to listen. You know, he was just joking around. And it's, you know, okay, fellas, don't say that, okay? Don't say, Chris told me that. Okay, don't do that. 
But we can do this with God's messages, is that we just don't want to listen. I don't want to listen. Not interested. I want to keep that far away from me because if I listen, it might prick my conscience. I might need to do something about it. Not, not interested in doing that. Or we can, we can listen because we have to. I know that there's times where I have discussions with my children and I can tell that, you know, lecture time with Chris, that they don't really want to listen, but they're listening because they have to. And sometimes we approach, we can approach God that way, is we listen because we have to, not because we're really excited about what he has to say, but we're listening because we have to. But life really changes for us, and that foundation starts to be built when we learn to really love to listen to what God has to say to us. And God speaks through his word. God can use other people through his word to speak to us and call us higher. Examples that, that we look around and, and sometimes, and I know that, that I've been guilty of this, so there's been people that are spiritual giants that have walked beside me at times and I didn't even realize their example. <laughs> I didn't watch closely enough. I've learned from that. And I really watch the examples of people that have been around in faith longer than I have because I learn good things from them. Just from their example, just how they do things. And oftentimes they don't need to say a thing. I just watch how they walk through life. And I learn from that. And, and that's been a great benefit for me in trying to build a foundation on a rock. But learning to love to listen to whatever God is, is saying to us, especially in his word. So here's number two. Surround yourself with Jesus' teachings. Matthew 5-7, through seven, it's all read. Jesus speaks to that whole section of scripture. And when we surround ourselves with Jesus' teachings, then it really can make an impact on us and change us. I was blessed the last couple of days to spend some time with Bill and Shirley Govin. This is Tisha Staley's parents and Briley and Denali's grandparents and Dan's mother and father-in-law. Okay, got it all covered, right? Okay. And so I got to uh, spend some time with them. And if you know the story is Shirley has been suffering from Alzheimer's how long now? Ten years, okay. And Shirley, uh, oftentimes, um, she, she just goes through life with this tremendous, happy disposition and spirit. And uh, she doesn't always recognize, doesn't always recognize my name. But one of the things I, I noticed, we had, one of the things we did at camp, that was, it's, it's just this fun thing that helps kids memorize the books of the Bible, is we try to see how many can say the books of the Bible in one breath. And... Um, and so kids get up there and they're red-faced and they're hanging on to stuff and trying to say the books of the Bible in one breath. And it's just kind of a fun activity just to, to, to help kids learn the, learn the books. But the, on Friday night, Shirley came up and sat up on a chair in front of the kids and tried to say the books in, in one breath of air. And I'm not sure. I think she took a breath along the way. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Because surely, after having 10 years of Alzheimer's, was able to say the books of the Bible. And in that room, it was dead silent as the kids listened to her do that. Later, uh, I guess on Saturday, I was uh, spent some time with Bill, her husband. And one of the things he told me, he says, is, surely, even having Alzheimer's knows more scripture than I do, it seems like. Because so much of of other memories are passing away. And so, because she has a foundation in God's Word, those things from God's Word are there as strong as they've ever been. And he gave me a couple of examples. He said, every day, even now, 
as Shirley's mind is, is slipping away, she gets up every day and reads the Bible for an hour or two every day. And she's done that for years. And she does that because that's important. And she knows the scriptures. You know, don't you think Shirley's read all of that before? Yes? But she keeps reading it because it keeps transforming her and changing her. And turn to Isaiah 57. Here's another story that I thought was, was such a good example. And this is just me working my own stuff out, sharing my own things that I learned this week that, were, that I think were, were great examples. But something uh, that Bill told me, he said, we, when, when Shirley was first diagnosed several years ago with Alzheimer's, uh, there was, we were sitting in a Bible class, and I don't know how long ago this was, how many years ago, but uh, they're sitting in a Bible class, and someone just made mention of, where's that scripture that talks about sometimes God takes people who are, who are, uh, who are righteous and, and allows them to die and, and the evil to remain to protect the righteous? And, and Bill said, he said, I don't know. I, I said, let me think about that for a second. Let me look. And Shirley said, it's Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. And so they, in this Bible class in Billings, they opened up, and it says, The righteous perish, and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And there is something that Isaiah gives to the inspiration of God, that what we see in who passes away and who doesn't is not as, as simple as, as we may think. But there's sometimes that God must look down from heaven and sees people that are righteous and they're good and are just and says, I'm going to take them early because I know the pain and suffering that is coming and I'm just going to take them early. So they don't have to walk through that in this life. And uh, Bill told me the story. He said when they were driving home, Shirley said, you know why I know that verse and you know why I remember that, don't you? Bill said, no said, because with me having Alzheimer's, I never know what I'm going to remember the next day when I wake up. And so every day, what I do is I remember that if I don't remember things tomorrow, then somehow, someway, God is working in all this to save me from something that must be hurtful. That's the only thing I can think of. And it's amazing watching Shirley bounce around camp with a huge smile on her face, just doing kind things, saying kind words to people and encouraging people, not knowing what she's going to remember tomorrow, not knowing how much time life God gives any of us. That's true for all of us. Life can change so quickly. But what she's doing is going through life, surrounding herself with the teachings of Jesus, and has done that for a lifetime and built this solid foundation and is now blessing everybody around her with what she has to offer Great example for all of us. And let none of us think that, oh yeah, someday I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read God's scripture and I'm going to get serious about this because (laughs) that tends to not happen. But here's the last thing that Jesus says here. Put them into practice right now. Because that's a tendency of me and and probably all of us on some level is to say, oh, that's a great idea. Let me file that away. And we go on through life and we don't put it into practice. There was an old minister that I heard about once that he, uh, whenever he, there was a couple that was having having difficulties and they wanted to talk with the minister and to see if he could help. 
And I may have shared this with you, but it, it impacts me and still makes me, me think. He would say, I have three questions for you with the couple sitting there in front of him. Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Question number two, are you willing to do what God says? And number three, are you willing to do what God says right now? And he said, if anybody would say no to any of those questions, then his response was, well, I don't believe that I can help you then. Because we as, a, as people have a tendency to, to file things away and say, oh, that's a good idea, I should do something about that. And then we walk through life not making those changes. And Jesus' point here, as all of these people were listening to him share that Sermon on the Mount, is you want a solid foundation that you can build something on that will stand whatever comes your direction. Then learn to listen here. Surround yourself with my teachings and put them into practice and decide to do so right now. This is a, a great reminder for me. I hope it's a great reminder for you. And uh, we can use this summer, each one of us, or whatever's going through your mind right now, to think, oh man, this teaching of Jesus I need to implement and I need to put into practice. We can all decide right now, whatever that is, whatever's going on in your head, in your heart, in your life right now, say, I will put this into practice right now. And we develop that habit. God has a way of, again, building a great foundation in us that allows us to share the abundant life of Jesus in, in that peace within us and that peace that we share with others. And I pray that all of us, after today, just coming in contact with the words of Jesus, that we can live out the abundant life of Jesus like we've never been able to before. If you'd like to become a Christian...